Father, we are in your presence. Speak to us. Speak to us. Deal with us. Minister to us, Lord. Let every dullness of hearing be dealt with today. Even as your word comes to us in power and clarity, in entirety, speak to us, Lord. You know who, who is here. You know the people that are listening to your word. You know every single one of them. Your people, your children, your child, your son, your daughter is listening. Here we are, Lord. Speak to us. Change our situations. Change our mindset. Change the way we live. Change the way we live. You're the God of breakthrough. The master of breaches. Breach into our territory, we pray. Breach into our complacency. Breach into our sluggishness and indiscipline. Breach into that, Father. In love and mercy. Invade us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The disciples of Jesus asked him, Why do you always speak in parables? Good question. He's always speaking in parables. And they, because they walk closely with Jesus, they know that he can, he's quite a scholar. He's quite eloquent. He doesn't necessarily have to speak in such simple language. So they asked him, why do you speak to the crowds in, in parables? Matthew 13 and verse 13. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see. You can have eyes and not see. Jesus is addressing a condition where you can have physical eyes but not see. While seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. Which says, you will keep on hearing. Say keep on. Say keep on. Uh, with that, with that, saying that tune, keep on. keep on. One more time, keep on. Keep on. So he said, you, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. You can have a heart. You can have an ear or two ears. You can have two eyes. And still, your heart can become dull. Your ears can scarcely hear. And your eyes can be close to seeing. Are you with me? Hello? See, now Jesus... See, look at, the, look at the, the, the nature of God's word. The prophet prophesied centuries back. Prophet Isaiah prophesied about the condition of the human heart. And Jesus is telling, the reason I'm speaking to them in parables is because... The prophet prophesied about this condition. And I'm witnessing right now in our midst the audience that I get is a people who got a heart but which has become dull. They, with their ears, they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return. And I would heal them. If, the heart, if their hearts could perceive, if their eyes could see, if their ears could hear, it's, it is easy for them to understand. And I can, I can heal them. They will return to me and I can heal them. Verse 16 says, but blessed, say blessed. blessed. Say blessed. blessed. Say blessed. blessed. 
Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. See, the hallmark of a disciple is this. With your eyes you can see, with your ears you can hear. Amen. From a normal, nominal uh, listener, you graduate into becoming a disciple by, by, in, in this manner. If with your eyes you can see, you become a disciple. If with your ears you can hear, you become a disciple. And, and Jesus calls us blessed. Man. So it is possible to be in an environment where you get to see a lot of things. It is possible to be in an environment where you get to hear a lot of things. It is possible to be in an environment where your heart can, you know, it can be exposed to so many things. And yet, it is possible that you become dull, that you become blind, and that you become deaf. See, know this that you are living amidst a generation who will keep on hearing but will not understand. Do you know that? You and I are living amidst a generation who will keep on hearing but will not understand. We are living amidst a generation who, who will keep on seeing but will not perceive. Now God can do wonders from heaven. He can do, I mean, you, you name it. You name it. See, how many plagues did it take for the Pharaoh to finally let his people go? They were so hardened. They become so dull. The Pharaoh was so dull of hearing. His eyes were so blind to seeing the power of God. His ears were so close to listening to the voice of God. And because of his rebellion, the Bible says, God hardened his heart. Amen. God hardened his heart that he couldn't obey. Hallelujah. So you, you, in fact, I want you to know that you are living amidst such a generation. A generation which sees a lot of things. You know, the Bible also talks about the eye is not tired of. The human eye is not tired of seeing. I'm telling you, no generation... <laughs> No generation spends as much time as us seeing things. Every device that is being manufactured right now appeals to your visual sense. The eye is never tired of seeing. Hallelujah. But Jesus wants to say this over you. Blessed are you. Say blessed are me. Blessed am I. Say blessed am I. I am blessed. You know why? Because I can see with my eyes. I can hear with my ears. I am blessed because of that. If you can see with your eyes what God wants you to see. If you can hear with your ears what God wants you to hear. If you can understand with your heart what God wants you to understand. You are blessed. That is blessedness. So you must be in that place of blessedness. As a church, we must be there. We must see what God wants us to see. Hello? We must see what God wants us to see. Do you desire that? You must see what God wants you to see. You must hear what God wants you to hear. That must be your desire. You must understand what God wants you to understand. 
that is blessedness in this perverse generation blessedness is to be in a place where you can see what god wants you to see and hear what god wants you to hear and understand what god wants you to understand that is blessedness Amen. the spiritual food that you take in that you receive that you get exposed to that you consume must translate into growth Amen. the spiritual food that is coming your way must translate into your growth because he is addressing such a situation they are hearing a lot of things they are seeing a lot of things but it is not reflecting in their character it is not reflecting in their lifestyle it is not it is not translated into growth where is growth where is change where is transformation blessedness blessedness is you being able to see what god wants you to see because it brings about change when you see what god wants you to see it brings about change and when you hear what what god wants you to hear it brings about transformation amen when you understand what god wants you to understand it brings about growth we had a we had a, a, a really sweet time um at uh, on friday at focus now i was telling uh you know the the young people who gathered here i was telling them uh to consider the blessedness of receiving teaching the blessedness of being able to hear god's word this is what the church must understand you are so blessed the evidence of the blessedness is this that you are receiving god's word and i was telling them the 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 working of god's grace in your life is evidenced by this that you hearing god's word if you can hear god's word being taught being preached if god's word has come if you have access to a bible to read that's the evidence of god's grace over your life amen if there is a minister of god speaking over you his word it is the evidence of god's grace over your life the church must understand this and we have we have taken these privileges for granted we take these privileges for granted we take the grace of god for granted we in fact we frustrate the grace of god by not responding to it you can listen to a word coming to you, coming your way can listen to a sermon coming over or a teaching coming your way and harden your heart and frustrate the grace of god which is at work in your life and nullify the grace the bible talks about that nullifying the grace of god frustrating the grace of god it's not a small offense it is not a small thing hello it is not a small thing when god's grace is at work in your life you ignoring the grace of god is not a small thing now we live in an era in which say alternatives and conveniences we live live in an era where alternatives and conveniences are celebrated more than worth and commitment now 
at one point the uh, seno lot of disciples uh, these are lot of disciples you know that not just 12 some of you think only here truly totally 12 12 were the main disciples he had a lot of disciples he had okay so at one point jesus said certain things plainly to them you know what the bible says some of them turned back and left jesus they just just decided to stop following jesus they turned back and left jesus so jesus looked at them jesus saw this big crowd was with him but at one point when he put his foot down and he 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 clarified certain things amen in the heart of god he he made it he revealed it to them so plainly you know what they did they turned back and went their way so jesus asked the asked his disciples the 12 the 12 because the 12 seemed to have some commitment to him so he asked them do you also want to go away Do you want to go away as well? And Peter answered the question on behalf of the twelve. He said, "Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we? For you have the words of eternal life." So, see now, look at this. His answer completely ruled out. Complete, say completely. His answer completely, completely, completely ruled out any alternative. to following Jesus completely ruled out to whom shall we go we meaning trans paraphrase it i we don't have an alternative to go we don't have an alternative place to go we don't have an alternative person to be under to whom shall we go and then he said you have the words of eternal life it reflects the uh, 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 in the word that peter and the 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 12 disciples they found worth in christ Amen. this man is worthy to be followed his teachings are worth more than anything else Amen. that's why the bible says the bible talks about one day say one day, one day. we sing those songs no one day better is one day in your courts than thousand elsewhere Do you really mean it? Do you really mean it? You think it is just poetic language? One day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. But do you really mean it? So that's what Peter was saying. Where can? To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? We don't have an alternative. because you have the words of eternal life the 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 worth of your teaching is eternity the value of what you give us is eternity hello i with me we understand the worth of your teaching so they they saying we give commitment to you we will not go from you because we give our commitment to you why because we see worth in this i with me see unless you see worth in a place in a person you will not be able to stay in that place or with that person simple as that nobody can i'm telling you, even jesus couldn't keep people with him even jesus couldn't keep people with him because at the end of the day the person has to understand the worth 
and the value of what they receive. So church, the church is the place you must value the church. Man, you must understand the worth of the church. Now, these days, the Lord has been continually, continually ministering this thought in my head. You know, uh, this, is this, this is this human trait. You know, when, when the parents are there, there's no worth for parents. But when they die, suddenly they, they miss the father. They miss the mother. Some, some of you have lost your parents. And you know what I'm talking about. So when you have access to something, value it. Because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for you to cry over something when you don't have it. Now we have the church. Value it. Value the church. Value Ecclesia. Say Ecclesia. The gathering together of the brethren. Value this. Amen. It is God's grace in your life. Whether you like it or not, whether you admit it or not, it is God's grace in your life that is causing you to hear God's word. It is only God's grace. It's not your merit. It's not your smartness. It's nothing that you have. It's pure grace. Grace. See, alternatives become available to a person when you see more worth in something else. Now, why do you go after alternatives? You suddenly don't feel the worth in something. And you're looking for alternatives, better worth, higher worth in something else. And then convenience will kick in. It's about convenience. See, serving the Lord and following Christ is not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of commitment. Because you see value in this. You see worth in this. Man, it is more precious than anything else. This is eternal life. Eternal life. More precious than gold. What is that? God's word. God's word is more precious than gold. That's why, that's why Paul said, you know, I, I let go of everything. I let go of everything. Everything that I counted as gain, now I count them as loss. It is no longer gain to me. It is no longer a profit for me. It is no longer an advantage for me. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm compiling a, uh, you know, a, a, a series on the thought pros of Paul. What the Lord did to this person. It's amazing. You know, he took credit. He took, he took pride. That's the word. He took pride in his, his lineage. He was so, he was so, uh, he used to flash his lineage. His Jewish lineage and his rabbinic uh, uh, education that he had and the qualification that he had and all those, all those things, the influence that he had. But that same Paul is saying, whatever has I counted as gain, whatever I thought was my profit, whatever I thought was my advantage, my benefit, now I count them as loss. The actual word is dung. I count it as dung. No value in those things. Because now I find something else of surpassing greatness. All surpassing greatness to anything that I've ever come across. See, that must be your commitment to Jesus. That you don't, seek, you don't see worth anywhere else. Now we sing songs. It's easy to say, you're worthy. What do you mean by that? 
you have matchless worth nothing compares to your what do we say and no nothing compares to your matchless worth we sing that not understanding what it actually means if you truly understand that he is he cannot be compared there's no comparison he cannot be compared with anything else amen he can, cannot be compared to anybody else the christian life cannot be compared to any other way of living your life in christ cannot be compared to anything else that you can ever come across you can search high and low you can search far and wide but i want you to know the christian life that you have cannot be compared with anything else that you'll ever come across everything else is just a pale say pale a pale shadow a pale shadow so give attention to the teaching of god's word because if there is a lack of attention to god's word it will show up in your life if there is a lack of attention to god's word if in your life there is a lack of attention if there is a deficiency in attend being attentive to god's word it will definitely it will 100% it will show up in your life sooner or later now i'm trying to help you you don't have to wait till that point to take corrective action give attention to god's word now now today that's why the bible says today if you hear the words of the lord if you hear the word of the lord today if you hear the voice of god do not harden your heart because if you don't pay attention today it will show up in your life tomorrow in your future so do not neglect the teaching of god's word the the biggest crime that a christian can ever commit the biggest mistake a christian can ever commit is this neglecting god's word coming his or her way that's the biggest that's the biggest error that a christian can ever get into neglecting the word of god rejecting the word of god and i want you to know that a christian will never outgrow the need of god's word you will never outgrow the need of god's word and i am a pastor i'm telling you i will never outgrow the need of god's word i will never outgrow the the need for teaching of god's word i need to be constantly taught the word of god doesn't matter how long you've been a christian doesn't matter who, what you do in life it doesn't matter how long you've been in ministry you can never outgrow the teaching of god's word you can never outgrow the instruction of god's word and i was telling this at our focus meeting the primary evidence is of god's grace is is this that he is speaking to you amen. that he is teaching you his word is coming to you amen, amen? that you have access to the teaching of god so don't take it lightly tell your neighbor don't take it lightly tell your neighbor don't take it lightly i'm telling you, this is serious don't take this lightly this is one of the greatest privileges in life the teaching of god's word you know that what the bible talks about it says a wise man gets to build his house on this teaching if you're wise that this is what you will do with the teaching of god's word you didn't get that when you are taught god's word 
this is what you will do if you are wise you will build your life on it Amen. if you are foolish this is what you will do you will neglect it you will ignore it you will reject it you will overlook it but if you are wise you will build your life meaning everything that you do in life will be based on the teaching of god's word man and what kind of house are we talking about a house that will stand any kind of weather any kind of flood rain storm doesn't matter any kind of weather this house will stand the test of time and that is the blessedness of you being able to receive god's word will bring into your life so this is church say this is church say it loud this is church first of all you have you need to have the conviction this is not a this is not a a club this is not a club this church man this is not a school this is church this is not your office this is church this is not your house this is church man the gathering of god's people amen hallelujah the house of god where god dwells and you get to sit under a teaching do not despise it the bible in fact tells esteem it highly those who teach you esteem them highly why because the teaching is god's word the teaching that is coming away is god's word you got to esteem it you cannot despise the word of god now you despising god's word will reflect in the way you treat those who teach you simple as that if you despise what your parents tell you it will show up in the way you behave to your parents see the the church must come out of this nonsense this this rubbish this garbage of a mindset you cannot see this is the this is your life there is no there is no life outside of this there is no life for you outside of this why are you even trying why are you even attempting to live a life outside of the principles of god's word you will fail miserably you will fail miserably if you do that no uh you know when we are when we are looking at that scripture take pains with these things you know give attention to the public reading of scripture to to teaching to doctrine and then the next verse says take pains with these things and uh, a version that uh, thompson read out it says immerse yourself completely into it immerse yourself throw yourself you got to throw yourself into this the teaching of god you must throw your own life your your whole being into this the teaching of god's word be absorbed in the instruction of god's word no i i want to encourage i mean i i like that's why i'm so so blessed by what you shared this morning and it he talked about ex- being excited he mentioned that scripture run the righteous will run to it now you must run to church three people said amen because others are still planning to come you must run to church you must run to church 
Where, this is the place where the name of the Lord is lifted up. You must run. The righteous will run to it and they are. You must know that. You must run to church. You must run to the place where God, is, God wants to meet with you. Amen. Amen. Because he wants to meet with you. Amen. That's your place of safety. Amen. Every meeting, you must run. Say run. Now, I want to encourage you, do not miss a single meeting in church. Do not miss a single meeting in church. And I'm talking to you very personally. Do not miss a single meeting in church. Do not. Do not. God's word does not give you permission to miss a single meeting in your church. Because when you do that, you're rejecting God's word. Hear me by the spirit of God. When you do that, you're rejecting God's word. You're rejecting God himself. You're not rejecting man. You're not rejecting your pastor. You're rejecting your God who wants to speak to you. Because I told you, this is the grace of God at work in your life when God's word is being taught and instructed to you. You want to reject the grace of God? Do you want to reject the grace of God that's coming your way? Whether it is Sunday service or a prayer meeting or Bibles, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I don't want to say this, but I'm amazed how people can be so sloppy when it comes to Bible studies. I'm telling you, you are made. You are made in a Bible study. You get, you get, you get to develop your Christian identity at a study of God's word. That's, that should be your primary go-to place where God's word is taught. Today, God, Bible, oh, well, Bible study, that's just Bible study. See, I'm saying this for your good. I'm not, I'm not here to uh, get your applause. I'm not here to get into your good books. I just want to tell what God is telling you. You take it. You take it. It'll be for your good. It'll bless you and your generations. It'll bless you and your generations. It'll bless you all the days of your life. Bible study, focus, wow, amen, house doors, whatever it is. Your, if your church is giving you opportunity to receive God's word, run for that meeting. Run. In fact, reach ahead of the others. And sit in the church and pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Come, I mean, if possible, come ahead of everybody else. Wait outside the gate. And like a sponge, taking everything that comes your way. Like, you must be like a, a sponge, taking everything in. And then you do your own study. Test every spirit. Amen? Test everything in line with God's word. That's how we learn. That's how we all learn. We all learn like that. When I, when I sat under the teaching of my pastor, this one instruction that he will give me, he used to give me, it still stays with me. Test everything. You search for, your, your, for yourself what God's word says. Do the same. Test everything, whether it falls in line with God's word. Test every spirit. These are lessons that will make or break. If you take this, it will make you. If, you. if you despise, it will break you, I'm telling you. Put everything into order. And then the Bible says, take pains with these things, be absorbed in these things, immerse yourself in these things, and then 
your progress will be evident to all. To begin with, you have to desire progress. How many of you desire progress? No, see, it, it is, it is um, absolute foolishness if you as a Christian do not desire progress in life. Because Christian life is all about progress. It's all about growth. It's all about growth. Every single day of your life, God has ordained for you to grow into the likeness of Christ. Every single day. And how do you, how do you get there? How do you manage to grow? Only by listening to God's word. Only by that. See, we, we, why is God speaking to us in this manner? Because we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to dilly-dally. That, that time is up. We don't have that kind of time. You must resign from everything that is lackadaisical, everything that is sloppy. Resign from sloppy Christianity. Resign from being spiritually lazy. Resign from that. Come out of it. Come out of it. Come out of it. Because we don't have much time. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, we don't have much time. We don't have, you don't have much time. Living, live in the conviction of that. Live in the conviction that we don't have much time. The time is near. You may have so many plans. You may have built so many uh, castles in the air. Uh, you may have so many dreams that you want to pursue. But the truth of the matter is, we don't have much time. So you decide whether you want to give your life to pursue the dreams of God or do you want to waste your life on your own silly dreams. Now I want to go to Revelation chapter 3. The Lord has put a word in my heart and I want to share, with, share it with you. So th there are these seven churches, say seven churches before we read. There are these seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. Seven churches which are found in uh, the Asian region, uh, modern day Turkey, uh, if I'm right. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Shaitan and Sheila Mama had a visit to that, that area and uh, you know, they brought back so many um, you know, mem like, you know, memendos and stuff like that to do with those churches, those, those areas which are believed to have been the, the, local, the locations, the physical locations of these churches that I mentioned, the seven churches. Yeah? And every letter, we must, give, we must spend time studying these letters. Because every letter here deals with a specific condition of the church to which it was written to. Yeah? So, see, it is not like Jesus wrote the same letter, took seven copies from a, the nearest photocopy shop and, uh, you know, asked the, deliver, the courier company to deliver it. No. He wrote seven different letters, seven unique, specific letters addressing seven unique specific conditions and send it. Amen. Hallelujah. And send it to them. And we are going to read the letter to the church in Laodicea. Okay, let's read from verse 13. Sorry, 14. To the angel 
to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness. Who is that? Who is that? You don't know. Say it loud. The amen, the faithful and true witness is? That's right. The beginning of the creation of God is Jesus Christ. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We'll read the rest, okay, in a while. So I just want to give you a, I was trying to get some, um, some background. You know, I was trying to refresh my memory. I've studied this some time back. So I wanted to just quickly refresh my memory of the, the, uh, the context of this uh, particular church, okay. Laodicea is, for your information, uh, is a city that is close to Colossae. Okay, we, we read about, the, we read the epistle to Colossians by Paul. So there's a church in Colossae, okay. So this Laodicea was a city just quite close to Colossae. In fact, there are, uh, there are three cities which are like just a few miles apart. We can, <coughs> sorry, we can turn to Colossians and I'll tell you those three cities in a while. Chapter 4, verse 13. So now, okay, verse 12 onwards. Epaphras, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. So this is written to Coloss the Colossian church. And he mentions... Uh, that this about this man Epaphras who has a concern for Colossia, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. Okay, so three cities, and geographically, archaeologists say that these three cities were quite close by, just a few miles away from each other. So now, to this particular church in Laodicea, this letter is coming. Say letter. Now, I don't know whether you have ever done this, but I have done this many times. Have you ever considered or have you ever wondered what will be the contents of the letter which Jesus would write to you? I, I, I remember studying the, these letters and I, I wondered what kind of a letter would I receive? What kind of a letter would I receive from the Lord? What kind of a letter would this church to the, let, to the church, Revelation Church in Kalathipudi, to the church in Kalathipudi, caught him by the name Revelation. What do you think the Lord will write? So I'm concerned about it. I'm bothered about it because it, I'm your pastor, first of all. So it has to bother me. But it must bother you just the same as well because it concerns, it is about you. Have you ever considered what would the Lord write in his letter to this church? What would the, would the Lord write in his letter to you? 
what will be the contents like because when we read through these seven letters with the exception of one all the other six had strong rebuke very strong sharp rebuke only one had the commendation and appreciation from the lord all the other six god rebuked them or the, the lord rebuked them jesus christ rebuked them and asked them to change asked them to repent asked them to come out so i wonder what do you think do you think that your letter will be all well done ah huh? well done good and faithful servant like how the 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 the, the letter to the philadelphian church was and they they got a an amazing incredible letter hallelujah i know your deeds behold i have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have have little power and kept my word and have not denied my name oh i wish as a church if we get a letter like that if the lord were to write a letter to this church it must bother you it must bother you especially on a sunday morning just imagine next sunday you come to church and i say hey i got a letter from jesus i'm going to read it out to you how would you feel will your heart be racing will your heart be trembling or will you be so expectant of be frank you don't have to answer me be honest before the lord that's how real this letter was these are letters real letters written to real churches amen and why is it recorded in god's word for you and i to understand that god thinks jesus thinks in a certain way about every church he has a take he has a, a perception he is the one who gauges amen is the one who weighs and he is the one who understands the true condition of every human heart now we can be so flashy we can be so advanced we can have so much of technology but what would the lord say what would jesus say we can do a lot of events we can have a lot of projects see in fact that's what all these letters if when you read those letters in context you will understand that it's quite like modern day churches huh lot of action that's right lot of action lot of events lot of uh, uh, you know trying to impress god impress christ so now let's come back laodicea is geographically close to colosse colosse and the biblical account tells us that the church at colosse was in all likelihood planted by epaphras we just read that name in fact the first few verses of colossians you'll read about epaphras um and uh, who was a, a close disciple or a close associate either a disciple of paul or a close associate of paul definitely they they were together uh, in whatever sense and the church at laodicea is mentioned in the multiple sections in that book in that epistle in chapter 2 in chapter 4 you read that uh, the church at laodicea is mentioned in fact uh, when paul mentions uh, his concern for the church in colosse he says i have the same concern for you and for the church in laodicea talking about 
how the philosophies of this world are trying to creep in. You must be watchful about empty philosophies. And he is trying to teach them the preeminence of Christ. Like we said, Christ cannot be compared. There is no comparison. Jesus Christ is uncomparable or incomparable. He cannot be compared. So he is teaching all that. Why? Because all these philosophies are around them. And these philosophies are coming into the church, are trying to sway the church in certain directions. And as the apostle over that church, Paul is writing to them. So, like I said, Colossae and Laodicea, like, you know, twin churches, or under the same covering, or planted by the same uh, apostle, or the same minister of God. The church at Laodicea is, um, and in fact, Paul witnesses about Epaphras that he has a great zeal for this congregation. So on and so forth. So, if you want to know a little bit about what was going on in the church at Laodicea, you can read the book of Colossians, the epistle to Colossians. And you'll understand, you'll get a, an idea of how this church was or what this church was dealing with because they were quite close or similar to the church at Colossae. Yeah? Are you with me? And now, if you study history, now this is what I wanted to brush up this morning. If you study history, you will also learn that the, the, the Laodicea as a, a geographic location was uh, connected major cities, trade cities, major points of trade and business and commerce. It, wa it, it, uh, it was along the trade route. Laodicea was in the trade route connecting major cities of commerce and business in that time. And the... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's amazing how only Jesus can write such a letter. Amazing. Because the archaeological studies and history reveal that this city was known for a few things. Or was famous for a few things. One, it was famous for textile production. Textiles. Two, it was known for banking. They had a good banking uh, system in place. So they were known for banks of financial institutions. Three, it is also a place where medical science was uh, taught. Uh, people used to come to this place for uh, buying medicines, uh, especially in the area of ophthalmology. Yeah, it's interesting. All those things are <coughs> uh, uncovered or uh, like, you know, proven uh, by archaeological studies, so on and so forth. Okay, so just a little um, context to these things. And then, Laodicea was a rich city. The, in fact, Jesus himself mentions about the church at Laodicea. It was a rich city because it was a, a trade city, a city of commerce, a city of business. Not only was the city posh, but also the people living there, including the Christians who are living there, because they were all businessmen. A posh city, a vibrant city, a business hub, an affluent audience, an affluent crowd in this city. Even the Christians were there, who were there were rich and affluent. Yeah? Just for you to get an idea of what kind of persecution they were, all these seven churches were facing persecution from the Roman Empire. 
what kind of persecution are we talking about the roman empire had a certain practice a, a certain system they were trying to push to the people that they were ruling over you know what they were trying to push they wanted the people who they whom they were ruling over to worship their emperors their emperors were gods not after they die even when they're alive they must be seen as gods so now but the jewish community was exempt from this um enforcement like you you must worship the emperor was not really applicable to the jewish community because the jewish community was already perceived by the the roman empire as a monotheistic monotheistic uh, uh meaning they have only one god they were very strong about it they don't serve any other god they only have one god so their approach to religion their approach to their belief system was such uh, popular very strongly popular in the region they were not they were actually exempt from such uh, pagan rituals and practices but now what happened is initially the the believers in the church were predominantly jewish people so the christians were perceived as a an extension of Ju- uh, judaism so initially during the church age those initial few years they all thought okay this christianity that is growing is just an extension a sect of uh, judaism so christians are also exempt from following their pagan practices but after some time what happened more gentiles started to come in to the church the gospel was preached more gentiles came into the church so suddenly the 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 ruler the govern the government or the rulers realized that they're not exactly Jew, jews they're not exactly a part of judaism so now they are trying to enforce this system of pagan worship the system of uh, worshiping the emperors uh, upon the christians as well the church was threatened by the rulers you have to worship the emperor okay so the context of these letters is that if you don't worship the emperor if you don't take part in the uh, the culture of the land if you stay away you will be excommunicated or you will be disallowed from engaging in trade and commerce and business meaning your right to do business in our land will be stripped of you so that's the kind of persecution that they were going through are you with me are you getting something here yeah just for you to understand when we read the letter we must understand what is going on here what is the kind of persecution it is not just christianity is banned here you cannot pray you cannot preach no the persecution that they they were facing was they were being pressed by the government to take part in these pagan rituals and um human worship and you know all those things because they were now disconnected from being a part of judaism do or die bow or go hungry no business no trade no job can you think about that just think about a condition a situation in our land where because you are a christian if you don't participate in the 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 evil uh, pagan um religious practices of our land predominant in our land you will be disallowed from your universities you will be disallowed from uh, your offices you will be uh, terminated from your jobs you will not be allowed to open shop here 
Can you think about it? Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that such a, such a scenario where... Can you really relate to that? Think about it. You cannot have a means of livelihood. Why? Because you are a Christian. If you, or you can be a Christian, call yourself a Christian, but live like us. Hello? That's exactly what is going on today. You can call yourself a Christian, but live like the rest of us. The agenda is still the same. Hello? The agenda is still the same. They don't want you to change the nomenclature from Christianity to something else. They just want you to live like the world. The rest of them. And everyone will be happy. Except God. So this is the context. So what was at stake for the Christian community here is, in a city of business and trade, now they are affluent, they have made money. They've made a livelihood. Some of them are running family businesses. They've been doing it for maybe a couple of generations. We don't know. In such a place, they've established themselves in such a posh, affluent community in a city like that. And now, what is at stake? Their existence, their livelihood is at stake. And they're being threatened by the Roman emperors. They're being threatened by the government, the system that is ruling. If you want to do commerce, if you don't want to do business, be like us. Compromise. Take part in the pagan practices of the what you call the imperial cult, if you can call it like that. Otherwise, you will be denied your right to buy or sell. Now, that's for you to understand this whole... I mean, what is Christ referring to in, in chapter 3 and verse... Uh, uh, 15, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I would rather that you were cold or hot. Is, is Jesus saying or Christ telling them uh, you must be extreme? Is that what he is saying? He is referring to their lukewarm, lukewarmness. You are lukewarm. Now for you to understand, again, let's go back to the, the geography there. So Laodicea, and the other place that I said is uh, Hierapolis, okay? There's th two neighboring cities. Laodicea was known for a slightly mountainous terrain. And they had cold springs, uh, cold streams flowing down the mountain. So they had access to water. Cold mountain streams. Whereas on the other hand, the Hierapolis, the other city, they had hot springs, but this particular city, Laodicea, they neither, neither had a cold stream nor a hot spring. In fact, archaeologists have discovered they used to source water from neighboring cities with the use of pipes. You mentioned about that also today. It's amazing what the things that you mentioned were so in line with uh, what God wanted to minister. In, in, in these huge pipes, like, you know, big pipes, you know, this KWA, Kerala Water Authority pipes. In these pipes... You know, they are getting water from neighboring cities because they themselves did not have any water source to drink from or for their uh, requirements. They were a business hub, a, a city of commerce and trade, but they lacked this one thing, a good source of good water. They were not like Colosse. They had what? Cold streams of water. They were not like Hierapolis. They had hot springs. 
they were neither hot nor cold in fact you know i was uh, you know i was reading up something and they said probably the water that came into the city through these pipes were neither hot nor cold the cold water by the time it comes here will become lukewarm the hot water by the time it comes here will become lukewarm and be contaminated with all the the material that is you know uh, used to channelize these uh, this this water into the land it'll taste bad now jesus is saying you are neither hot no cold if you are either hot or cold it was better because you are lukewarm i will spit you out i'll spit you out is written to a church a church neither hot no cold but lukewarm are you hot or cold or lukewarm concerning the things of god do you have a defining standard or are you like everything goes a mix of everything neither hot hot nor cold in between not black not white gray not right or left middle ground not on that boat that boat or this boat but with legs on say lukwa what a small thing it's not a pretty thing in the eyes of god that you be found lukewarm in the things of god you know why they were lukewarm let's read the next verse so because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold i will spit you out of my mouth verse 17 says because you say now he's telling why they're lukewarm the reason for their lukewarm lukewarmness because you say i am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing see people can become lukewarm when they are rich when they become wealthy and then come to a place where they need nothing now that you have a vehicle to travel now that you have a a, a place to gather you are not considering it as a privilege anymore but when you didn't have access to any of these things you would go the extra mile you will run the extra i mean you will do anything possible just to be in a place where you can receive the word of god are you getting what i'm saying but with the uh, with the riches with the blessings with the comforts what came in lukewarmness lukewarmness came in you come to a place you're rich you're wealthy you don't need anything anymore now what happened to saul we considered his life he was a nobody say nobody he was small say small he was least he didn't have a thing the only thing that concerned him was what donkeys remember that that is the only thing that bothered him donkeys his father's donkeys my father's donkeys my father's donkeys but then god made that nobody he took that nobody blessed him anointed him put a spirit upon him and said you're going to be the ruler of my inheritance what happened he started rejecting god the very same god who changed him transformed him gave him a new personality gave him a new start now he has no need for anything he does not need anything anymore because he's become rich 
is become wealthy the way some of you look at me like why is he talking to us like that you can think you can figure it out it may need not be you know physical riches that the lord wants to deal with you in in, in your life it can be a comfort that you taken for granted that you don't you no longer feel the need for god it can be a comfort it can be a blessing that came your way for which you are so desperate for but now that you have it you forgotten god see now you must understand this is the condition of the human heart this is the condition of the human heart god dealt with this same this very same condition all through the bible all through the old testament he brought them out of captivity he brought them out of slavery he brought them out of all those uh, uh, you know bonded labor everything that you can ever think of they were crying out before god and then he brought them into a land flowing with milk and honey a land which is full of abundance and the goodness of god i want to read something verse 10 and it shall come about when the lord your god brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers abraham isaac and jacob to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build look at this then it shall come about when the lord your god brings you into the land which he swore to you to your fathers abraham isaac and jacob to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build i'm telling you the christians in laodicea probably did not build the city but they started god blessed them so much they inherited the place just like the israelites verse 11 and house is full of good things which you did not fill and hewn cisterns which you did not dig vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and you shall eat and be satisfied then watch yourself look at that then watch yourself see god will give you all this god is going to give you a land which you did not build a city which you did not build uh, you know or you can eat out of olive plants which you did not plant vineyards which you did not plant houses filled with good things which you did not earn god will give you all that but then it says then watch yourself lest you forget the lord your lord who brought you from the land of egypt out of the house of slavery lest you forget the land at the lord who brought you from the land of egypt out of your slavery it's possible this possible it was it was it was so in the old testament god warned them of it god warned the israelites even with regards to saul this guy if he is not going to get it right you are in trouble god warned them also and he did the same mistake and now in the church we are seeing the same trouble this church established in a land by the name laodicea they were rich they become wealthy and then the lord says you come to a place where you say you have need of nothing that's when you must remember remember beware be careful because you can forget your god you can forget your god 
So when we are all in need, when we are all in a, a place of uh, a situation that we are dealing with, we have troubles, we have situations, we all want God. But when that problem is solved, when the situation is removed and you are blessed, you are provided for, you have an abundance, the human tendency is that you can forget God. Not because riches are bad, not because money is bad, not because wealth is bad, but the human heart has that tendency to forget God. We can place all those things above God. These people to whom the letter came, they were engaging in what? They were engaging in textile business. They were engaging in banking business. They were engaging in medical business, all kinds of things. They were making good money. They were affluent. They were wealthy. And now they are forced. They are forced by the government. If you want to continue on this trend, if you want to continue enjoying all the benefits, if you want to have all these riches to yourself, choose. Say choose. It's always a matter of choice. Always a matter of choice. Life is always a matter of choice. Choose. Worship the emperor or choose to dissolve your business, dissolve your business. Huh? Bow, bow before the graven image. That's right. Choose this day whom you will serve. Bow before the graven image. Or no right for you to buy or to sell. I'm telling you, this is the same thing. Even today, it comes in different formats. It comes in different forms. It comes in different designs. What is it that you're desiring? Are you desiring something which God never intended for you? Or can you trust God with your future? In fact, the other, the, in fact, when you read the other books, the other letters, some of them are commended by God, approved by God. You know why? Even in the midst of such extreme persecution, they held on. They had only very little, but they did not deny the faith. I'm telling you, testing is like that. Testing comes like that. Testing does not come when everything is going well. Testing comes when things are going the wrong way. That's a true test of your character. That's a true test of loyalty. When you don't have anything, that's a test of loyalty. When you're hungry, when you don't have enough food on the table, when you have bills to pay, when you have a future staring at you, that's a test of your commitment. Amen? That's when you must decide to speak like Peter spoke. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? The others that we want to go, we are going. Because we see no worth in you. We see no value in you. But Peter said, to whom shall we go? What you have transcends the temporal. What you are giving us is not just about the earthly life. It's about the eternal life itself. Where can we go from your presence? You have the words of eternal life. Your teaching is not just about the day-to-day -day matters. It's about all of eternity. That's why Jesus asked the question, what will it profit a man 
if he gains the whole world the laudation church just simply had to go to what jesus said what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world if he gains the whole of laodicea if he gains the whole of asia what will it profit you if you gain all of this you become the monopoly in this place when it comes to textile manufacturing you become the monopoly in this place when it comes to banking or medicines or whatever it is or pharma you become the monopoly here but what will it profit you if you gain all that yet you forfeit your soul see when 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 we study scripture don't look at the bible as an outdated book it is not an outdated book when you read the bible when you study god's word when you meditate on god's word it is it is so real time so real time it's about today if you are hearing god's word it is about today it is not a clown speaking to you about something which happened in the past it is the minister of god speaking to you what you going to face today in your life this season of your life you must understand it like understand it like that it is about today it's about now it's about matters pertaining to your present you can think like but we don't have uh, any lukewarm water we get good water we get cold water or we go to church we are not lukewarm we are hot we are cold that's your evaluation like i said what is god evaluating about you what's god's evaluation of you what's god's perception about you what does god see in you is there something to commend is there something to approve of is there something to clap about is there something to applaud for so your 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 comforts in life can eclipse your vision for god your pursuits in life can stand in the way of your vision from god or vision of god the things that you desire the things that you aspire for the things that you're ambitious about can stand in the way of what god has in store for you and god can come around and say i have this against you you are neither hot no cold you become lukewarm why because you say you are rich you say you are become wealthy and you say you have come to need nothing now but the truth of the matter is look at what he says verse 17 and you do not know you do not know that's the problem you don't know that you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked you are overlooking that you are pretend you are living a life of pretense because of the comforts that you have you think everything is going to be all right you have riches you have a job you have an earning you have a bank balance you have you see a future you have some savings you have your plans chalked out you think you have come to need of nothing but the truth is you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked so first of all 
our commendation must not be from man our validation must not be from man we must not be self righteous we must always look to the lord ask him to tell us what he thinks about us if he has to write a letter to you he will do that amen if he has to write a letter to you he will do that if he has to scream at you he will do that but you must have a desire to know what he thinks about you and you must understand the reason why okay look at the next verse it's incredible i advise you the next verse i advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire you say that you're rich but i am advising you now to buy from me gold refined by fire not 916 hallmark but the gold that is refined by me by fire i want you to know that god has wealth for you which the world cannot give you have you ever been to a to a, a jewelry to to sell gold and then look at you think okay you had something great you went you go there with the gold and they look at this and uh, this is not 916 is not 916 this is old standard and they keep refining their standard this is not from our jewelry this is from some other jewelry if it was from our jewelry we could have given you more money you understand now you must understand god has a standard like that which no man can alter that's why he says buy from me i advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire not earthly fire by heavenly fire that you may become rich so they are like but we are already rich see that's the problem money in your bank does not make you rich regular earnings in your account does not make you rich we think like that we get a job and then everything is sorted i'll become rich have everything planned out money is not what makes you rich if it were so then christ would be lying to them because they think they are rich you say you are rich you say you are wealthy you say that you have need for nothing but i tell you you are poor you are miserable you are wretched you are blind and then he goes on to say i advise buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich and white garments they are dealing with garments these are garment businessmen garment traders jesus is telling them you must buy from me garments you must buy from me gold white garments that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness you might be wearing gucci you might be wearing the most louis vuitton you might be wearing the most expensive brand there is in the world because you have access to all those things but god says you are naked you are naked you must buy from me white garments of righteousness of holiness that your shame of the shame of your nakedness will be covered that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed goes on to say i served to anoint your eyes that you may see 
you are you are a probably a, a pharma manufacturer uh, in a dealing with uh, some ophthalmology uh, eye drop okay some drop or some medicine god is saying buy from me i sell because the medicine that you buy and sell is not helping you but get from me i sell that you can see now you must come to that place where you must be able to see what god wants you to see you must be able to hear what god wants you to hear you must be able to understand what god wants you to understand amen everything else is futile then he goes on to say verse 9 you look at this you must fall out and worship god those whom i love i reprove and discipline those whom i love i reprove and discipline can you read it together be zealous be excited we heard that this morning be zealous therefore and repent because those whom he loves he will rebuke those whom he loves he will reprove those whom he loves he will discipline if you're not getting the discipline of god you must be worried about it you know why because getting disciplined by god is the proof of his love i've repeated that i've said that many times in this church you, the proof of his love for you his is his correction the proof of his love for you is his reproof reproof the proof of his love for you is the rebuke of god amen therefore be zealous therefore get excited therefore snap out of your this this whole uh, sloppiness this laziness this lethargy come out of it be zealous have zeal and repent now if you are zealous you know what you'll do you'll go back and stand on your head if you have to but get this word deal with you make this word deal with you that's what you'll do that's what zeal will do A zeal for the lord everything that he says must come to pass everything that he says about me is true everything that he speaks to me must affect me must change me that's zeal for the lord that's zeal for the lord that's genuine zeal for the lord that's why he says be zealous he's not saying be zealous and do some events no be zealous and repent your 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 zeal is not about what you do before man your zeal is about what you do before the lord what no man can see but what god can see if all that you do is i service unto man then there is no repentance because true repentance is before god he can see a repentant heart and it goes on to say behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and will dine with him and he with me i'm telling you the time is near the time is he is standing at the door he is standing at the door the lord is at the door he is at the door he's 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 knocking is it he can can almost hear him knock is at the door but if somebody has to open open the door your expectancy your longing for the lord opens the door for him to come in the church has to change the church has to rise up the church has to wake up wake up wake up wake up 
goes on to say, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. If that does not excite you, he goes on to say, as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Just like Christ is on the throne of his father, sitting with the father on his throne, you are going to sit with Christ on his throne. What do you want in life? A laughter 30 minutes long? An applause, sorry, an applause 30 minutes long? What do you want in life? Uh, a book of 1,000 pages? With the approval of man in your life, regarding your life, is that what you want? What are you living for? What are you living for? What do you desire in life? What do you desire in life? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes and looks at your life, what can he find? What can he see? What will be the letter like? The letter of Christ. The letter from Jesus Christ. A letter from Jesus Christ. Think about it. A letter from Jesus Christ. How will it be? How will it look? It must bother you. It must bother you. And I want to tell you that if somebody were to tell you that there is no need for change, you can continue just the way you are, you are, you are doing well, I'm telling you that's a lie. It's a lie. That's not true. That's not true. Because the proof of his love for us is correction. The proof of his love for us is correction. Man, he will continually reprove because he continually loves us. Man, without cease, he loves us. So without cease, he will reprove us. Man, he will discipline us. That's his love for you. That's his love. That's his commitment for you. Man. But do you find worth in that? Can you find worth in that? Then goes on to say, he who has an ear, can you believe that? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. God is speaking to the churches. Do you know that? Right now, God is speaking to the churches. But the standard of God is this. He who has an ear, let him hear. He's, not, he's, no, he's no longer going to speak in parables. He's no longer going to speak in parables. He's no longer going to speak in riddles. He's going to speak plainly. Man, now you see that when you read this letter, he's not speaking in parables. He's speaking, he's calling a spade a spade. He's telling exactly what the condition is. You are lukewarm. You are lukewarm. You are miserable. You are wretched. You are blind. You're poor. You're naked. God is not, he, he's not going to mince words. He's not going to mince words. He's going to speak. He's going to tell you what exactly he thinks about you. Amen. And he's going to use, he's going to use voices that refuse to die out. Die out. He's going to use people that he will raise 
ministers that he will raise to declare the standards of God. Amen. And some of you are called for that. Now you're not called for applause. You're not called to be a crowd puller. But you are the voice that declares, you calls out in the wilderness the way of the Lord. That's what you call for. In the wilderness. call that John the Baptist had was not a not an ordinary call he was an extraordinary person the spirit of God was upon him even before he was born when he was in his mother's womb he had he had the spirit of God but where did God send him to the wilderness why to declare the way of the Lord to proclaim the way of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah.